All right, everybody. Let's uh, let's go ahead and start finding our spots, finding our places. Find your place, if you wouldn't mind, in Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. Um, so, it's been a ride, right? It's been a while. We've been uh, churning through this series, the volume of the book series. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. I, I certainly am enjoying it. We've we spent a lot of time walking through the first 12 chapters of Genesis. Um, our goal, if you remember, is just to do a big survey of the Word of God. In the last couple of weeks, we spent some time talking about this guy named Abram, or as he's going to be referred to today as Abraham. And uh, so we want to make sure that we're getting a bird's eye view of the Word of God. We're seeing this as a, as a big picture. And so today's sermon title is very simple. It's putting the big picture together one piece at a time. Putting the big picture one piece, one, one together one piece at a time. So we have been looking at the life of Abraham. And uh, guys, I hope as we study the life of Abraham and his children, and we look at some of those things, we understand that he's a, he's a man just like any other man. There's nothing special about him. And yet he's not so different from you and I. He deals with some of the same issues that we deal with in, in, in certainly different ways. But he's a man that struggles with trusting God in the midst of difficult circumstances. Um, I tend to do that. Anybody else tend to do that? He tends to struggle trusting God. He knows this is what God said, and yet he has a hard time trusting God when it's hard and when it's difficult. He also has a hard time struggling with his belief in what God promises to do and then his role in it. How to, okay, God, this is what you're doing, but how, how does that... To me, how how can me as one little tiny piece fully grasp the big picture of what God's doing? Well, I struggle with the same thing. I know I read the Bible, I study the Bible, I Genesis to Revelation. I get that the theme of the Bible is the King and His Kingdom, right? It's about Jesus Christ ruling and reigning. That's what it's about, and I get that. And you see it all the way through from Genesis to Revelation. You see that, and yet I, I get in my little bubble. And I'm, okay, Lord, how does that affect me? I'm just a small little piece pastoring a church in Iola, Kansas. I mean, what significance can I really have? What significance can we as a church have? What about, what about you? Now, on Abraham, man, he's got a huge weight on his shoulders. He's starting a whole new nation. I mean, that's a big deal. Would you say that's a big task? I think that's a big task. And yet we can glean, I think, a lot of things from it. So let me just remind you of Psalm 40, verse 7. Psalm 40, verse 7, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. So it is all about Jesus as a king and his kingdom. Now, let me take you back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Because in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, we've been hitting this. By, by the way, we're going to hit this verse all the time. Because you got to get it. This is the very first prophecy of Jesus Christ in the Bible. Uh, so Satan's or God is talking to Satan. He says, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It's a prophecy of a virgin birth. And that God lets us know there's going to be a seed line. There's going to be a child born of a, of a virgin birth. And not just a child. It's going to be a man child. It's going to be, it's going to be a boy. All right, so that takes us to chapter 12, verse 3. So Genesis chapter 12, verse 3 says, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And so God comes to Abram and says, okay, I'm starting over with you. I'm going to create a whole new nation. 
We could trace the, we, we spent some time tracing the seed line all the way down to Abraham. And God says, okay, I'm singling you out and you are going to be a blessing of every people, every people group on the planet, every family of the earth. All right, so that means it's coming through Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Because Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Now to Abraham and to his seed were the promises made. And he said not, and to seeds, that's plural, right? So pay attention. Oh, I love this. Listen, when you're reading your Bible and you're studying your Bible, pay attention to words. Words matter. Well, I thought it was just the message. Listen, if you get the word of God right, if you get the individual words of God right, you will guarantee to get the message right. But if you're always looking for the secret meaning, you're looking for the message, you're missing out on the words. Go to the words first and God will take you to the message. Everybody with me on that? Here's a little tip of Bible study. He said, not into seeds as of many, but as of one. He said, to thy seed, right? It was a singular deal. He says, to thy seed, which is, which is Christ. So way back in chapter 3, verse 15, way back in chapter 12, verse 3, chapter 15, chapter 17, that seed is a singular seed, and it's referring doctrinally to Jesus Christ. It's also referring to the nation of Israel, no, no doubt about it. But doctrinally, it's, it's Jesus. Everybody with me on that? So we're dealing with this whole big, big picture, and it's important to see the big picture. It truly is. Because then and only then can you truly figure out where you fit in. Now, how many people in the room like to do puzzles? Like to do puzzles? I grew up, there was always a card table or the dining room table or the, the bar, always, not like the bar, but the bar, right? Always had, always had puzzles on there. My grandma always had one. My mom always had one. Of course, it was a different era, right? No one had Facebook and Snapchat and TikTok. Nobody's scrolling their phones, right? The TV was still black and white in my house. And so you had puzzles. And people were always doing puzzles. And what? All right, so anytime we get a new puzzle, we'd get the box out. We'd set. And we had a special way we did it. We put the box inside the box. We set the lid up so you could see what the picture was. And then we'd turn all the puzzle pieces up. Right? And then we'd find all the corners and find all the straight edges. And you always work from the outside in. And all too often, we jump into our Bible and we work from the inside out. Because we think the Bible's about us. And it's not. We open the Bible, I just don't get it. I don't get it. What, what is it that you have for me? And we jump right in the middle of our Bible and we miss the big picture. And that's why we're going through this series. is to make sure that we've always got the big picture in sight because then and only then, can we truly find where we fit in? Y'all with me on that? So don't be guilty of trying to use a microscope to see the big picture. Don't do it. I get tempted of it. You get tempted. We all get the temptation to zoom in on our life, zoom in on the word of God. And yes, God wants to do detail in our life on a microscopic level, no doubt about it. But you can't see the big picture with a microscope. You got to pull out, don't you? You have to get like the Google Earth view of the Bible. And that's what we're trying to accomplish here. So we're going to do the big picture and we're going to put it one piece at a time. And tonight, or tonight, today, I want to give us seven little pieces to maybe get us started. All right. So my, my goal is to cover a large amount of scripture in a very quick way. But really, I just want to give you seven puzzle pieces, maybe just to, to, to take home and give you some perspective. All right. So chapter 15, Chapter 15, chapter 15, verse, verse one. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, 
Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, saying, I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, this shall not be thine heir. He says, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. All right, so there's a lot going on there. Now, I don't want to take a whole lot of time on each one of these puzzle pieces. We're going to be moving rather quick. But here's the first piece I want you to get, is that the Lord is for you. You got to know that. The Lord isn't against you. He's not. Now, he's against you living in sin. He's against you going contrary to who he is. He's against all those things, and yet he's always for you. Amen? He is for you. So every puzzle piece, just like we talked about, begins with the corner, and Abraham is a corner piece. He's the straight edge. He's, he's super, super important to the big picture. And so God cleans off his spot and says he comes to him in verse 1, and he promises to be Abraham's protector, and he also promises to be Abraham's reward. Now, I want you to key in onto what it says. It does not say, hey, I'm going to reward you. That's not what it says. It doesn't say that. He says, I will be thy reward. Isn't that what he says? I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Maybe if you're taking notes, I would just ask you this question. Is the Lord enough for you? Is the Lord enough for you? Because all too often we serve Jesus, we, we spend time reading, we pray, we do ministry, we do this, and we expect God to bless us in certain ways. And we talked about that the last few weeks. God only blesses complete obedience. He doesn't bless partial obedience. And so we expect God to bless, but God's not promising anything. He's not even, he's not even re, uh, uh, offering a reward. He says, I'm the reward, man. Am I enough for you? Would you continue serving the Lord if, if the Lord was just, if, if he was enough? If you had no promise of anything else, is the Lord enough for you? Because that's what Abraham's problem is. If you remember, he's struggling, trying to find a place for him. God keeps giving him the big picture and he's constantly looking for how it applies to him. He's always on the run. He's, he's dwelling between Hai and he's, he's dwelling over here. And he's going from this altar to this altar, down to Egypt, over here. He's turned his back on his wife. He's an absolute mess because he's trying to figure out how it applies to him. Now here in chapter 15, God says, okay, now let's deal with you, bud. I'm, I'm thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Is the Lord enough? Am I enough? And we get his response. His response is in verse two and three. He says, okay, what good is a reward if I have no one to pass it down to? I mean, you're telling me over here in chapter 12, God, you told me in Genesis chapter 12 that you're going to turn me into a great nation. And here I am. I've still got the same wife. I still got all this wealth. I got all this stuff. And yet there's nobody to pass my inheritance down to. In fact, you haven't even given me anything. You just promised me land and I've yet to obtain anything. So what good is a reward if I have no one to pass it down to? You know what he's saying? I want fruit. That's what he's saying. I want fruit. I want somebody to pass this down to. He's looking for, and then check this out. He's already done some scanning around of his, of his household, and he calls out this guy named Eliezer in verse 2. This guy was born in his house. He says, well, apparently this is my heir. He's not even my own child. 
And here's what a lot of believers do. The Lord isn't enough. And so we're looking for reward and we're upset that if God gives us a reward, we have nobody to pass it down to. And then we begin to look around for fruit that we can claim. Something that else is happening in, in amongst us. And we latch onto this and say, well, look, this must be how God is blessing me. This must be the fruit. And he's looking around to claim fruit that happened in somebody else's life as his own. Don't be guilty of that because we all, we all are tempted to do that. And a lot of us, not us, a lot of times it happens within churches where God is moving in the lives of people. Praise the Lord, give him the praise. But then we try to claim that as fruit for ourselves. No, God's doing that in their life. God's doing that in their life. Not necessarily fruit that you can claim, right? So Abram is kind of dealing with all that. Look, how, do, how do I work through all this? All right, so that takes us to puzzle piece number two. Puzzle piece number two. The Lord is for those who will come after you. So not only is the Lord for you, but the Lord is also for those who come after you. Because now God steps in in verse four. Check this out, verse four. It says, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him saying, this shall not be thine heir. This Eliezer, this guy that you're trying to claim, no, 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 he's not yours. He doesn't come from your own bowels. This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Now, I want you to understand how crazy of a statement that he, that he just made. This is an absolute crazy statement. Now, it makes sense here in just a few moments. God says, no, you're gonna have fruit from your own bowels. Verse five, and he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, so shall thy, what? Seed singular be. Not seeds, seed. So shall thy seed be. Oh my goodness. I wish we had time to dive in to that passage. But if you go back to chapter 13 for a moment, can you go back to chapter 13 and verse 14 where God tells him to lift up his eyes after Lot separates? When Lot tells him to separate, or sorry, when he tells Lot to separate and Lot goes, he goes, okay, now lift up thine eyes. You see this in verse 14? Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward, southward, eastward, and westward. In other words, pay attention to your surroundings where you are. Here's what I want you to see. And then when God begins to and he's showing him the land, which is going to be a promise to his seed that comes after him. That's the promise. And here's something that'll just help us out in our Bible study. The nation of Israel is always promised land, physical things. The body of Christ, you and I, we're promised eternal things. We get the Lord. There's is a kingdom of heaven. We're a kingdom of God based. Does that make sense? So Israel gets physical things. The body of Christ gets Spiritual things. That's why he tells them here in chapter, four, chapter 13, verse 14, look on the physical stuff. And then he makes it spiritual. In chapter 15, look on the stars, tell the stars, this so shall thy seed be. Verse six, and he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now, God promises him seed that is innumerable. Prophetically, he's also talking about Christ but he promises innumerable seed that comes from his own bowels. Now, remember something. He is now in his 80s. This man is in his 80s. And God just said, yeah, you're going to have a kid. Remember, his wife is 10 years younger than him. Y'all get that? You know how the human body works, right? So she's in her 70s. So God's telling him, 
hey, uh, your 70-something wife is going to have a child. And the Bible says in verse 6 that Abraham believes him, and God counts it to him for righteousness. He believes God. God counts it to him for righteousness. And guess what? God does the same exact thing for you and me. When you believe the word of God, that God is able to take that which is dead and make it alive, and you believe in God's ability to bring life from death, I'm telling you, that's where God imputes righteousness. So check this out. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 20. He says, he staggered, speaking of Abraham, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. All right, so the Bible gives us many different definitions of faith, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But here's a great definition of strength, of faith. He says, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now here's the definition of faith. Being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. What does God say in chapter 15? Hey, your wife is going to have a child. You are going to have fruit that flows from your bowels. God, or Abraham believes God that what he promised, he's able to, able to perform, verse 22, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, well, that's great. God accounted that for righteousness. Well, we can glean from that, verse 23. Now, it's not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, that's you and me. Well, what's the lesson? To whom it shall be imputed if, we believe. What are we believing on? Believing on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the what? From the dead. I'm telling you what, Sarah, her womb was dead. And Abram said, God, if for this to happen, I believe that you're able to do this. I believe that you're able to bring life from death. And we learn the exact same thing, that God wants to do the same for us. Can I put you two on blast just for a moment? I'm going to put you two on blast. Put your hands in the air. All right, so Jeff and Macy just got saved this week. They called on the name of the Lord. They believed that God was able to raise them from death because God, because Jesus Christ rose from the death. And so they called on Jesus Christ to save them. Praise the Lord. Amen. The same righteousness that was imputed to Abram is the same righteousness imputed to them because they believed. Not believing in God. Listen, they believed in, if, if they just believed in God. Listen, I believed in God my entire life. I never questioned God's existence. I know it's hard to imagine this is God, right? This is God. I always believed in God's existence. But there was a moment where God had convicted me of my sin and realized I'm separated from God. And the only way for my salvation was to believe on him. That salvation, believe on him, putting all my faith and trust on him. And maybe, just maybe, you need to be saved today. You need that same righteousness imputed to you that God is able to take you separated from God, dead in your sins, and he's able to breathe life into you. And all he's asking is that you would believe on the death, bone, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you believe on Christ? That, that's the question. All right, so that's the lesson that we learned from this, is that the Lord is not just for you, but he's also for them that follow after you. He's, listen, Abram, I gotta do business with you because there's people coming after you. 
All right, so go to chapter, chapter, stay in chapter 15, but look at verse 7. Chapter 15, verse 7. He said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. Sounds a lot like Deuteronomy where it says, I brought thee out to bring you in. Sounds a lot like that verse. He says, and he said unto him, take me in half for three years old and a she goat of three years old and a ram. In other words, hey, I, I want to do some business. I, I need to have a chat with you. And notice what he says here in verse eight. Abram responds and says, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? He's not questioning that God's going to give him the inheritance. That's not what he's doing here. You know what Abraham's saying? Abraham's saying, you say when, and I'm in like Flynn, God. That's what he's saying. He says, whatever you say is time, you let me know, but make it abundantly clear. Whereabouts shall I know? You just tell me when, and I'm in. I, I, I want in on this. So he's not questioning God. He's saying, God, you just, can you just make it, make it known when, when it's time? Because I don't want to mess this thing up. So you get to the next chapter. And he messes it up, right? But he, right now, he's, in, he's like, I, I'm all in. Now, notice something here in verses seven and eight. Believing God doesn't mean that you'll fully understand how that applies to you today, right? You can believe God all day long. You can believe the word of God, but it doesn't mean you're always gonna fully understand how that applies to you today. Everybody understand that? That should be freeing for you. It's still true. Abraham still believes God, but he's like, listen, I don't understand how all that's going to play out. Can you make it abundantly clear? How shall I know that I shall inherit it? Can you, can you make that clear? And then God has a little chat with him. Now skip down to chapter, chapter 15, verse 12. He says, and when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. By the way, the first time you find that word horror in your Bible, it shows up a few other times but he has a nightmare, right? This is, a, this is a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And you know what I think is interesting? When I think back in my life where God really gets a hold of me, that God has to single me out, and God, has, man, it's times where I'm physically just spent and exhausted. And it always tends to be in the wee hours of the morning where God gets a hold of me. I don't know why. Maybe it's something like this, I don't know. Maybe you've ever been there. It's like two, two, three o'clock in the morning. You can't sleep and your mind can't shut off. Could be that God just wants to have a chat. God wants to have a talk. Well, that's what's happening here with Abram. So he caused him to go into this deep sleep. And then he says this. And he said unto Abram, verse 13, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. So God just told him, Hey, you're going to have a son. That's going to turn into an innumerable amount of people. Do you believe that? Yeah, I believe that. Okay, I'm going to count that for righteousness. Uh, can you let me know when that happens? Because I'm in. I want, I want to be a part of that. Well, just so you know. Um, you're going to have a whole bunch of people. and They're going to go into another land for 400 years. Abraham's doing the math going, that means I don't get to be a part. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get to see it. No, no, you have a huge role in this. Because if you're not right, they can't be right. So it's got to start with you. Right? So he says, okay, for 400 years, verse 14, and also that nation whom they serve, shall serve, I will I judge. Now we know that's the nation of Egypt. That's what the whole book of Exodus is about. 
And afterwards shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. It becomes Abraham's bosom. You can read about that in Luke chapter 16. So that's pretty cool. And then it says this, verse 16, but in the fourth generation shall they come hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant unto Abram, saying, unto thy seed have I given this land. Check, check, this, check this out. From the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. That is a massive amount of property. And if you're a history buff, if you're a geography buff, kind of like me, you're like, and you wait a second. God, you're promising them land from the Nile River all the way to the River Euphrates, which is over by Ur of the Chaldees, where he came from. And God, you're, you're gonna give them that much land and you read your Bible and you realize they never got that much land. You know what that tells me? The prophecy of Genesis chapter 15 has yet to come to pass. And in fact, you go be, read the book of Ezekiel at the millennial reign of Christ, it, that, in, that is when they finally inhabit the land entirely. They never fully conquered the land. So just get this. Believing God is able to do some things. Believing God is able does not mean that it's gonna happen today. Can I get an amen for that? You can believe God and you can know that God is speaking to you. And you can read your Bible and say, okay, this is what the Bible says to me. I know God is speaking to me in this area. Well, that doesn't mean you're gonna fully understand it. And it definitely doesn't mean that it's gonna happen right now. There's gonna be a delay maybe. And that's what Abraham has to work through. All right, so that takes us to puzzle piece number four. Puzzle piece number four, the Lord will accomplish what he says, but it requires patience. The Lord will, he's going to accomplish what he says, no doubt about it, but it's going to require patience. And here's something you got to get, I got to get, is impatience is a great destroyer of what God wants to do in my life. When I am impatient and I get ahead of God, it always destroys what God wants to do in my life. Now check this out, chapter 16, this is where, I mean, everything is going awesome in chapter 15. Then you get to chapter 16, and things go just right off the rails. Things, I mean, it just derails like crazy. Check this out, chapter 16. Look at, look at verse 1 to 3. It says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, bear him no children. We're reminded of that way back in chapter 11 when we're told that she's barren. Remember, she's now in her 70s. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bear him no children. And she had in hand made an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. Is that messed up? That's pretty messed up. Um, hey, hey, because you know Abram had just talked with the Lord. Hey, 
And he goes home and he goes, hey, hey, babe, you know what God just told me? God said that uh, I'm going to have a child that flows from my bowels. I guess that means, that means you. And she's looking about, she's like, uh, we've been to health class, babe. <laughs> we ain't about that no more. It ain't, it ain't going to work. And, and so, but the prophecy is still, the promise is still true. They both believe the promise. And yet she says, apparently I can't have these children. So would you do me a favor? Would you go into my handmaid and make her your wife? And it just might be that she'll get pregnant and then we'll take the baby and it'll be ours. And, and Abram's like, okay, I'll go do that. Okay. I, I, think I'll, I'll just, I think I'll do that. He listens to the voice of his wife. This is crazy because he's like, listen, you may not be working, but my plumbing's working. Let's make this happen. So he goes into Hagar. We don't know how old she is, but he's in his 80s. She must be younger. She gets pregnant. And then it says in verse four, and he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. See, they used to have a decent relationship. What you're going to find about Sarai is she's very domineering. She's very straightforward. She doesn't mess around. She's, she just tells it like it is kind of woman. In other words, she has no joy. She has no peace. She's not very fun to be around. And you think it wasn't fun being barren. It's really not fun having somebody else pregnant in the house especially when the plan goes, ah, it, doesn't go, it doesn't go just right. And so notice what happens. He cho they choose logic. They choose to follow their flesh. And what happens now, you get a guy, a young boy named Ishmael. A young boy named Ishmael shows up on the scene. So she conceives, you see that in verse four. And then you get over here to chapter 16. Look over in verses 15 and 16. And Hagar bare Abram a son. And Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare, Ishmael. Ishmael, which by the way, all of your Muslim Islamic individuals would trace their lineage back to this guy, Ishmael. Verse 16, and Abram was, check this out, four, or four score and six years old. That's 86 years old. Congratulations, it's a boy. Like, you're having great-grandchildren in your 80s, right? He's having a firstborn son in his 80s at 86. And it bears him Ishmael. Now, here's, here's what I can promise you. This is done in disobedience. God said, you're going to have a child out of, that flows from your bowels. He believed it. And begins to manipulate the situation when his circumstances look like it doesn't work. He begins to manipulate it, doesn't he? And so he listens to his wife, he goes in into Hagar and lets his flesh get in the way. And guess what happens? Disobedience always bears fruit. Promise you. Guaranteed. Why? Because Galatians is true. You always reap what you sow, good or bad. And so sure enough, that's what happens. Disobedience always bears fruit. And I would just say this. Disobedience tends to be very fertile. You always, you always reap disobedience a lot faster then you do obedience. All right, so go back to, look at verse five. Go back to verse five. And Sarai said unto Abram, my wrong be upon thee. What? My wrong be upon thee. 
I have given my maid into thy bosom, and when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. So here's, here's his wife who comes up and says, hey, babe, here's what I need you to do. Here's my handmaid. Go into her, get her pregnant. We'll take the, take the boy. Well, she gets pregnant, hates her, and hates her mistress, and now she comes in and says, you should have never listened to me. How dare you listen to me? The Lord's going to hold you accountable to this. Okay, who's in charge here, man? Who, who's doing the leading here? It says, so she's complaining at the end of verse five, the Lord judge between me and thee. And you know what Abram wants desperately? He knows the proverb that it's better to dwell in the wilderness than to dwell under the roof of a contentious woman, right? So verse six, you know what he says? But Abram said unto Sarai, behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarah dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. Whew. He's like, you know what? You deal with it. I'm not dealing with it. I just want some peace in my life. Give me peace in my house. You go handle that business. And so she handles it by just being extremely rude and very hard. And finally, she just leaves. Well, God has to restore all that and bring her back. And sure enough, she shows up and he names, names the boy Ishmael. Look at chapter 17, verse 1. This is when Abram was 90 years old and nine. So now we're 13 years later. See my math skills? Check that out. I, like twi I checked it twice just to make sure I wasn't an idiot. So 13 years later, they're now dealing with Ishmael in the house. He's got a wife who set the whole thing up, upset that he listened to her, and now there's a 13-year-old boy running around. What's the number 13 in your Bible? It's rebellion, isn't it? So number 13 is the rebellion, and sure enough, guess what happens? You need to understand this. When you choose to be disobedient, it's guaranteed to bring forth fruit, but notice this. You're going to carry the scars of your disobedience. You're going to carry the scars of your disobedience for years. Scars imply healing, right? Scars imply that you've healed. But scars also are a constant reminder of disobedience. And Ishmael, for 13 years, is a constant reminder that they manipulated God's system. They got ahead of God, tried to manipulate this thing and work it their own way. And it finally comes to a head. Because what Ishmael, or what Abram was trying to do was he's trying to place his son Ishmael in a place that belonged to the child of promise. Go back to the puzzle. You ever been in a spot where you're doing the puzzle and you think you got it all figured out and you grab the piece and you're just sure that that piece goes right there. You know it. That goes right there. And you get busy and you start building the whole puzzle and you get a little bit down the way and you're like, I messed up. <laughs> I, I messed up. Nothing is lining up right. And you have to take it all apart and you have to go back and you have to fix it. That's what's happening here. So you get to chapter 17. Chapter 17. Here's puzzle piece number five. God has chosen to separate you out. God has chosen to separate you out. You see this in chapter 17. So he's allowed him to see the big picture. He's allowed him to see that you can't do this in your flesh. It's going to mess you up. And so now it's been delayed 13 more years. Eventually, he's going to have to let his son Ishmael go. We'll go address that here in a few moments. 
He's going to have to let him go. But God has to do some work in him again. Listen, you tried it in the flesh. It didn't work. 13 years later, now you're 99. Does that promise still matter from chapter 15? The one he believed God was accounted to him for righteousness. Is God still able to do that? Now he's 99. Surely that promise is now null and void. God can't do what he said he was going to do here, but there's no way that he could do that. Oh, hold on. God is choosing to separate you out. You look here, chapter 17, verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. God is making sure that Abraham is ready. Psalm 4 and verse 3 says, but know the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord wants to single you out. As you look at the big pictures, we're studying the word of God. You ought to be praying, God, what is it that you want to say to me? How, 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 how can I take the word of God and apply it to my life? God, what is it you want to do in my life right here? I will believe you. I will trust you. I will see the big picture, but I want to narrow it down to me. God says, okay, I want to separate you out. Let's start with you. Because we can't get to the true seed line until we get right with you. And so he's going to set apart them that are godly for himself. So in verse 1, he says, I want you to walk before me. Walk before me. Live your life in front of me. In other words, I want you to have an audience of one. Quit worrying about what everybody else has to say. Quit worrying about what everybody else has to think. Quit trying to be a pleaser of men and follow me. Walk before me. Live your life before me. That's what I want. Start there. Live your life in an audience of one. But also stay here in verse one because he says at the end, be thou perfect. Now we know the Bible says what perfection is. It's not sinless. It's being completely furnished unto all good works. And so being perfect means to be complete, not to be in search of anything else, which takes us back to the first question I asked you. Is the Lord enough for you? Be perfect. In other words, you don't need anything else. I'm trusting the Lord right here. I'm going to live before him. I'm going to walk before him, and I'm going to be perfect. I'm happy. What do you, listen, you hang out with me enough, and a waitress or server comes up to the table. Hey, you need anything? No, I'm perfect. Thanks. I appreciate it. I'm I'm good. That is the biblical word for, for, for perfection in this, in this context. All right, so skip down to verse five. Verse five says, neither shall thy name anymore be called Abram, which that name Abram means high father. That's what it means. Your name's no longer gonna be called Abram, the high father. You're now, your name is now gonna be Abraham, which means father of a multitude to play on words. Abram, the high father. Nope, you're not called the high father anymore. Your name is now from now on father of multitude. And God continues to call him Abraham from now on. The scripture continues to call him Abraham from then on. What's that tell me? Did you get a new name? Got a new name. And you see that in scripture where Saul becomes Paul, right? Peter becomes Cephas. Um, We're gonna find out 
his wife gets her name changed. But it reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Isn't that the verse I share with you guys? Share the verse with that. As soon as they cried on the name, we opened the Bible and went to this passage. Listen, all things are become new. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean everything changes in a moment. It means God is changing you from the inside out, no doubt about it. But their name is no longer sinner. Their name is now son. That's how God views them. That's how God views me. My name is different. All right, so look at verse six. And God says, okay, and I'm gonna make thee exceeding fruitful and I will make nations of thee and kings shall come out of thee. Remember, he's talking to a 99-year-old man, right? He's 99. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. He keeps bringing up this whole seed thing. In other words, God wants to multiply you. So what does that mean? I got to walk before him. I got to say, okay, I don't need anything else this world has to offer. The Lord is enough. He's changed me. I'm no longer separate from him. Now I'm a child of God. John chapter one, verse 12. God wants to multiply me according to John chapter 15, verse 16. You haven't chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and forth, bring forth, more, bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Then you get to verse nine, and this is where it gets a little crazy. This is where it gets a little crazy. Verse nine. And God said unto Abraham, thou shalt keep my covenant. Therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be, what God, what do you, what, what do you Circumcised. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're going to be circumcised. Verse 11. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin. Yeah, thanks, God. I think I got that one figured out. And it shall be a token of the, of the covenant between, betwixt me and you. Wow. I don't think he was expecting to hear that one. At least I wouldn't be. Hey, Abram, hey, hey Abraham, I got here's the deal. I got this whole covenant thing we talked about. Listen, there's going to be a sign in your flesh. Oh yeah, what? what's that sign going to be? Snippy snip. We're going, to, we're going to have you circumcised. In other words, God takes this so seriously that there's a physical aspect to it. And God wants us to take this covenant super seriously as well. And I'm not talking about physical circumcision. What you're going to find here is he has to teach that to his entire household. He has to teach it to those who are following him. What's the lesson? I have to deny my flesh because God already has. That's the lesson. God's already denied my flesh. So how do I apply this to my life? Well, why circumcision? Why this? Why couldn't it be a mark like he did with Cain? Right? Why, why can't he do the same thing that he's doing with 144,000 in the tribulation? Why can't it be a mark? Why circumcision? Because the covenant is about the seed line. Now, I'm not, I'm really trying to handle this with really kid gloves here. The covenant is about the seed line. And so, when it comes time to produce that seed, circumcision should be the reminder of what you're doing. I'll leave it at that. Everybody understand where I'm going with that? It should be a reminder. All right, so Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of, the, of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, 
in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. When you get saved, God separates your flesh from your spirit and your soul. You are spiritually circumcised. That's the lesson we learn from here. There ought to be a circumcision. We should lean into it and we should embrace it. All right, so let's begin to land the plane here because if we're not careful, we're gonna find ourselves limiting God. And we do that because we limit ourselves. Because we say things like this, I know what the Bible says, but there's no way that God can do that because of my limitations. Well, then let me take you to puzzle piece number six. God has chosen to separate you because of your limitations. Because you are limited, he's chosen you. Because you aren't able, he's chosen you. So then you get to chapter 17. Notice what he says in, in verse 15. And God said unto Abraham, not Abram, God says to Abraham, as for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. So she gets a new name. Sarai means dominating one. Sarah means the female noble or a queen or a princess. So it's a play on words, isn't it? So you're going to change her name. It says, verse 16, I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. She's old. She's 89 years old today. At this moment, 89-year-old woman, and God says, yeah, she's going to have a kid. And not just any kid, she's going to have a boy. Oh, okay. Now notice, notice this, verse 17. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is 100 years old? In other words, he knows, matter of time, by the time a baby's born, I'm going to be 100. And shall, what's the name he says? He caught, he caught the vision, didn't he? He doesn't call her Syria, he calls her Sarah, just like God said. And how shall Sarah that is 90 years old bear? Well, that's a, that's a good question. And here's what we often do. We say things like, well, I just can't do that. And here's what we really mean. God can't do that because I can't. That's what we're saying. That's what he's saying here. Well, I can't do that, therefore God can't do that. Well, verse 18, and Abram said unto God, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Remember that 13-year-old, 14-year-old problem now? Oh, that might Ishmael live before thee. Can we just skip all that and let's do this? Here's what we do. Because I can't accept that God wants to use me today. I place what I've already done before God and ask him to bless it. God, I, I, I can't trust you to do what you're saying today. So here's what I did a few years ago. Can you take that and bless it? God says, no, I'm not doing that. Verse 19, and God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, which means laughter, and shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Remember, it's the seed line. All right, so there's a whole lot of drama that happens in between here because they got to let all this out, but you skip over to chapter 18. I promise, I'm, I'm almost done. Chapter 18, verse 9. And they said unto him, where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. 
and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. You think? She's 89, 90 years old. It's not time for, she doesn't have the capability of doing it, but God's able, verse 12, therefore Sarah laughed within herself saying, after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Listen, Sarah, you'll find out, is aptly named. She's very dominating. She almost has this like, nothing's gonna please me. She never laughs. The fact that she even laughed is like celebrated. I mean, God made her laugh. And then she denies it. Why is Sarah laughing? I didn't laugh. She's so bitter. She's so hard. How dare you accuse me of laughing? She's just a hard woman. Can't even imagine being married to her. Now check this out. Look at uh, verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Maybe those are just two questions we can have today. Is the Lord enough for you? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Will they submit? Go back to chapter 17 for a moment. Because you see in verse 19, you see in verse 19 that God makes, this, makes it clear what his plans are. And they include you, no doubt about it. But then stay in chapter 17, because let me give you puzzle piece number seven. Complete your part of the big picture with complete obedience. Your job isn't to do the whole picture. Your job is to do your part, your role, your place. Let God handle the rest of the picture. But notice this in verse 23. And Abram took Ishmael, his son, and all that were born in his house and all that were bought, bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the selfsame day as God had said unto them. Can you imagine what that conversation must have been like? Hey, y'all, let's gather around. Family meeting time. God just promised that I'm going to have a child and he's give us the covenant and then we're going to be circumcised. You say, so what? Yeah, and not just, not just me, but you too. I can't imagine how that conversation must have gone. I can't even imagine. But these are not babies, these are men. This is a teenage boy, by the way, that's getting circumcised. Let me remind you of Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, verses 22 to 24. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which is after God is created in righteousness and true Holiness. He says something very similar to that in Colossians chapter three. But here's the deal. I got to prepare myself to be used by God by doing what? Cutting away my flesh. God, why won't you use me? Because you're still in your flesh. You're still walking in the power of your flesh. That's not possible. So let's land. Chapter 21. Chapter 21. Now I encourage you to go fill in the gaps. Read chapter 18, chapter 19, and chapter 20. Because he also bounces on his wife one more time, which is a little crazy. But then you get to, to chapter 21. And the Lord 
visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. Man, I love that. You know what that means? That means they were able to look past their limitations. That's what it means. Now, hear this well. I'm not trying to be crass, but I have to say this. They also had to do what it takes to bear fruit. Y'all with me on that? In their old age. They had, they had to go through that process. They were sowing seed in, in obedience. Putting on the new man. We need to be able to allow God to do his work in us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God which worketh both in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You are nothing more than a vessel. And he uses you as a vessel. So quickly, let me give you verses 6 through 8. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh. This woman who hasn't laughed, who had no reason to laugh. God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. She names her son laughter because God made her laugh. And I want you to look at verse 8. He celebrates when the child is weaned. Now, we don't have time to get into that, but I'm going to put out a video this week on this. Oh, man, I can't wait. This is really cool stuff. Then you get to verse 9. Verse 9, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore, she said unto Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. She had enough. Get him out of here. Verse 11, and the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. Now, here's how, here's how God closes it. Verse 12. And God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah has said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. In other words, I listened to you with the whole Hagar thing. I ain't listening to you anymore. Forget that. And God says, no, no, you need to listen to your wife. Notice the last part of the verse. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Hold on to that because we're going to use that next week when we get to one of the most important chapters of your Bible, chapter 22. Oh, Lord, give us preparation for that. But here's the deal. You have to be willing to celebrate what God is doing in the moment. And you also have to be willing to move forward by moving past your foolish decisions. He had to let Ishmael and Hagar go. And I'm telling you what, if you want God to use you today, You've got to be willing to move forward by moving past your failures and your foolish decisions. Let them go, man. And let God use you today. Amen? Let's stand together. I know it was a little long. I apologize. But we just covered a whole lot of land, right? A whole lot of territory. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Is there anybody here that would say, I don't know for sure that I'm saved. I've always believed in God, but I've never done what you did, what you explained earlier. I've never trusted on the Lord for salvation. No one's looking around. Can you just be honest with yourself, with me and the Lord? And just raise your hand and say, you know what? That's me.
I'd love to talk to somebody after the service. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to bring you up forward. We'll just connect you with somebody after the service. And everybody says, you know what? I've never done that. I've never called on Jesus Christ to save my soul. Anybody just raise your hand real quick. I'm looking. Quick, quick, quick. Don't waste this opportunity. Do not leave here in your sin. Don't leave here just believing in God but not knowing him. Anybody? Okay. Second thing. Did God speak to you in any way, shape, or form through this message? If that's the case, just raise your hand. Okay, praise the Lord. You can put them down. Then you need to do business with the Lord. If God spoke to you, you feel like you heard from the Lord, you feel like the Spirit of God was tugging you, do some business with Him. Lord, it's often that we study your word, we read your word. We're always looking for ourselves in it. Lord, the lesson Abraham had to see was he had to find you in it. Lord, after finding you, you you allowed him to to find what your plan was for him. Lord, I pray the same thing for us. Lord, I pray that we would come to your word looking for you, to seek you out, to seek your face. Lord, that we might walk before thee. Lord, that we might be perfect before you. Lord, complete Lord, I pray that just like Abraham, Lord, that we would every day die to ourselves, Lord, that we put off the old man so we could put on the new man, Lord, so that we can sow the seed of the gospel and see souls saved as we choose obedience. But Lord, we, we see our limitations. We see other people's limitations. We see our own sin. We see our own failures. Lord, I pray that you would remind us today, Lord, that you aren't done with us. Lord, that you want to use us mightily Lord, not to accomplish the big picture, but to just do our part. Lord, I pray that you would have your will and way in us. Lord, that you would perform your work in us. And Lord, that we would pray, Lord, that you would also send forth laborers into your harvest. We ask all this in the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.